Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And we're not going to talk about Game 7 of the World Series because we're recording this right now. The first pitch has happened. Winner take all. But, uh, you know, we don't know what happened. So, uh, hey, congrats, right. Dodger fans or Astros fans. Whenever you listen to this, you'll probably know what happened. So I hope That's you right. are happy. That's right. Yes. But we have more important things to discuss, Matt, and that is ASU football taking on Colorado. Maybe not globally more important, but definitely for us. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's on par. World Series Game 7, ASU Colorado, Week 9, you know, toss-up. Got to stay a chance to get above 500, you know. Gotta... Exactly, exactly, and, and, you know, keep ourselves afloat in that Pac-12 South race. Um We'll, we'll see if that, uh, you know, we still have a, a chance, uh, albeit not nearly as good a one as we had going into last week, but not out of it. Um, can't really afford to lose any more, though. So, uh, you know, got to gotta uh, keep it going and uh, most of all, just, you know, reestablish a little bit of momentum, hopefully. Yeah. Colorado is a team that uh, has had an interesting up and down season, but they're a win away from bowl eligibility. Um, they are, yeah. My Dark Horse Heisman pick... Looked like it for a game, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he's, uh, I guess, got benched a couple weeks ago and has has been better um, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, like, uh, schedule softened a little bit for them in the last two weeks. Uh, I think they beat Oregon State and Colorado. Um, you know, two of the last three weeks, I guess they lost to Washington State in the interim. Um, but you know, did play better last week. Beat uh, beat Cal. Uh, I think I just said they beat Colorado. Uh, that's a faux pas on my part. Colorado they, cannot beat Colorado. Not uh, not during the regular season. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like coach speak. The only mm-hmm. team that can beat us is ourselves. Colorado <laughs> only beats Colorado. Um, anywho, yes, they played a little better, and uh, you know, they're they're an example of uh, kind of the. Um, I guess, you know, how making a bowl seems kind of hollow because they went 3-0 non-conference. And, yeah, you're right. They're one win away from uh, making a bowl. And, you know, that would be two years in a row for Colorado. That would be uh, something that's been a while. Yeah. Um, You know, McIntyre was the coach of the year and immediately placed himself back in the hot seat conversation uh, because there were raised expectations this year. Um this team definitely misses Sefa Lufau. I mean, uh, oh, I, didn't, sure. I didn't appreciate how good he must have been for them. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and you know, I mean, I, not knowing a lot about them, I know they lost a fair amount defensively. Um, they lost their defensive coordinator as well. I mean, you know, it, it was a it was a pretty. I recall last year when we played them, they were very um, senior laden team, and so when you're that and you have a good year. You're likely to have a little bit of a step back. I think it's been more of one than I thought, um, but it's not like they've fallen apart and they're one and eight. You know, I mean, they're five and four, and and they have a, a stretch. You know, they finish with us, USC, and Utah. I mean, that's not crazy to think they could get to seven and five, and that's you know not terrible given that you lost a fair amount from the previous year. Well, and quite honestly, you know, they're probably out of it for the Pac-12 south but they they will have a big say in what happens in the south with those last two games they will no doubt yeah yeah i mean um utah has probably fallen out of it too but certainly usc usc can uh can take a big step toward you know wrapping it up if they win this week over arizona because they would then have 
head-to-head on both of the teams a game behind them and everybody else be two or more behind them. I mean, they, they would be pretty close to being a done deal. If Arizona wins, then they go into the driver's seat, wouldn't have as much of a lead because they haven't played ASU. Uh, mm-hmm. We'd still have a shot, to be honest. To, you know, as, If you're just an ASU fan, you probably want Arizona to win this game because that gives you a chance, maybe a better chance, to actually win the South. I don't. Um, but I was you know, actually I'm just sure about to ask you that. I was going to ask you, could your ASU fandom overcome your U of A no. hatred? If I felt confident that you know ASU went out and and have that matter, yeah, but I don't. I mean, I, you know, I I hope we can win the next three, but you know, this this team, I go back to something that that you know Metcalf said several weeks ago. I think after the Stanford game, and it's still true. They're inconsistent, and so to believe this team is going to win three games in a row and play well three games in a row and put themselves in that position, you know, can they? Sure, but I, I don't believe it just yet. I am curious how ASU will rebound from being beaten up after two good wins. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we talked about how they would handle success, and and um, – you know they didn't. They didn't handle it great. Now they were still the underdog technically in that USC game, but that they got you know patted on the back a lot, told how good they were, and the majority and now, of the ESPN you know, commentators picked them. They did. They did. I mean, I did, and and Doug Haller did, and Metcalf did, and you know I think it was the the popular pick based on what USC had done the week before, what ASU had done last two weeks prior. You know it didn't happen that way, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it will be interesting to see, you know, because there's still a lot to be gained from this year um, and, and a lot on the line. I mean, I was thinking about it last night. You know, the, the last four weeks will have a big say in not only, you know, how we feel about this season, but where this is going in the future. Uh, I mean, you know, we've talked about it all year. The coaching thing is not done yet. Uh, anybody who thinks it is, I think, is crazy. So <clears throat> how they do in these last four games will have a big say in whether or not Todd Graham remains the coach. And it should. So, I have two two things. One, do you think the fans will show up for this game? And separately, should ASU stop wearing the Sparky helmets, which I love. I love the Sparky helmet. <laughs> but we get beat every time we wear them now. We do, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'll answer the second one first. I'll say no, even though you're right. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, the, you know, I just, I like the helmets and ultimately, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say I believe in that stuff, but, um, you know, there are times I believed in it. I remember ASU baseball wearing those throwbacks, uh, and, and bad things seem to happen every single time they did. I remember thinking, why are we doing this? Stop it. I'll say no on that one. Um, will the fans show up? Uh, yeah, but not probably as well as you'd hope. I mean, it's a bandwagon fan base, um, and it wasn't going to settle out for the USC game. Um, you know, the weather's nice, and it's an earlier kick, so those things play into the advantage. Um, you know, than a 7.45 kick, obviously, but I don't expect it to be a, a sellout, no. Okay. I don't either. Um, they they haven't come out and prematurely announced it will be a sellout, so that's good. No, <laughs> no, no. I think... Uh, you know, they know better. I mean, Arizona could be, depending on, you know, where Arizona is and where ASU is. I think that's possible. You could see that. Um, 
it was close for USC. Um, but you know, you, you see why they've reduced the capacity because, you know, yeah, 745 isn't ideal, but God, you know, it's, it's not like it was played at midnight, you know, 745 isn't that much of a seven o'clock kick. Um, weather was still pretty good. It's night this week than it was last week, but you know, it wasn't 105 degrees or anything. The team was playing well. USC is USC. There were a lot of factors there that should have played into maybe having a sellout, and we didn't get one. Yeah, I'm – after going – really, part of it, this is after our trip to Ole Miss. I don't mind the yeah. smaller stadium because I thought Hemingway was bigger because they sell it out, and it feels bigger because Agreed. everyone's there. <laughs> it does, yeah, yeah. You know, I think um, – probably heard this, and I, you know – not a good way to put it. Um, I think Metcalf said this last week. They were talking about it, and he said, you know, I like to look at it as they're not downsizing the stadium, they're right-sizing it. And it was, uh, you know, it sounded like something out of a PR guy's mouth, but it's probably true. You know, they, they this was probably necessary and I think a good thing overall. Oh, I agree. I think this was – I definitely agree this was necessary. Um, I mean, basketball I mean, went through the same thing, putting up the, uh, the player yeah. photos – as, yeah. you know, in the fake wall around the exactly. I mean, you know, they made money, and it's true. You know, back in the day when ASU, you know, when that stadium was first built, ASU football was the biggest thing in town, except for maybe the Suns. There was no Cardinals. There was no Diamondbacks. Uh, you know, there was no Coyotes. I mean, so just on the sports dollar, um, there's a whole lot of different activity now, and, and so to think you're going to get 71-plus thousand people it's not going to happen. I mean, I wish well, we could, but, it's, you know, you have to be in reality. I mean, you're right. The other thing is it's no longer the marquee football venue. I mean, it's never going to – it no, hosted not. a Super Bowl. It hosted national championship games. It's not going to do that right. anymore. And it's not going to. I mean, it doesn't even host the Fiesta Bowl anymore. You know, it's – you know, it's a – it was the host of the Cactus Bowl, and I, I presume it will be again after the renovations are done, um, although nobody's committing to that, but – yeah, I mean it's it's not you know you have to you have to adjust to what it is and you're right I mean you know when it held seventy one thousand yeah it could host a Super Bowl and BCS national championship games and that just you know it's not going to be the way it is anymore. So with the Buffs, I think ASU is going to win. We're at home. It's Military Appreciation Day. I'm saying ASU. 34-27. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, I'm picking ASU again. I Maybe I shouldn't, um, you know, and if they don't win this one, I probably won't pick them against UCLA because um, I feel like I might be a jinx. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I'm going to pick them. I mean, I guess um, I'm curious, as you said, how they respond to, you know, getting beat down in what felt like a pretty big game. You know, I, I texted you last week. I said, does this feel like – the biggest game, and I guess I was also thinking home game since Notre Dame in 2014. We kind of, you know, agreed it probably did. And, and unlike the Notre Dame game, we did not come out and play well and respond, have a big emotional victory. Um, so I'm curious about that. I'm also curious how this offense looks. I mean, kind of lost in the jovial feeling of the two weeks that we won games was the offense wasn't particularly explosive. And, and then last week, that kind of reared its ugly head when we needed it to be explosive, and it wasn't. So can we score 34 points? You know, I mean, your number, you know, I'm a little leery of that, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely concerned. I, you know, the things that we talked about that I liked are now starting to become predictable. The, you know, it's try yeah. to take the lid off with yeah. a deep ball to Nikhil Harry, and otherwise it's passes within five yards. That, that medium-range right. pass that was so effective for Manny in the middle yeah. third of the season, you know, the Jalen Harvey 15 to uh-huh. 17 yards posts and uh, in cuts – it was gone the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, and, and, you know, sitting here just thinking about it right now, you know, we scored 30 points at Utah. We scored 13 against Washington, had a touchdown on the opening drive, didn't score another touchdown. Utah, you know, we had three touchdowns. One of those was a defensive touchdown. A field goal was set up by a turnover where we didn't get a first down. Um, you know, same thing against Washington. We got a field goal off a blocked punt, didn't get a first down. So, I mean, you know, we only scored 43 points in those two wins and, you know, 13 of those points basically directly off defense or special teams. So the offense wasn't all that productive and it was good enough when your defense was playing at a high level. Last week, the defense didn't play anywhere near that level and the offense continued to kind of have the same struggles, even worse. They didn't convert third downs. They didn't, you know, stay on the field and it, it snowballs. So... That's my big question this week is now we're facing an opponent that's not as good. You know, can the offense get back to looking more explosive like it did against Oregon and Texas Tech? You know, a couple of those games that it seemed to find its stride hasn't quite been there the last few weeks. Yeah. Well, so we've got a lot of other things we have to address. So I think we're going to pause the Colorado conversation here and move into the first uh, – College football playoff ranking came out, and the two undefeated SEC teams are one and two. That is not shocking. No, and and deserved. I mean, obviously, yeah, I think it's pretty easy to say that they should be at this point. Uh, So for me, the thing that I always find most interesting is who's going to knock off somebody on this, right? Right. So at least one of Georgia-Alabama will have to have a loss. Sure. The the only team then that's undefeated that might win out besides one of them is Wisconsin. They're the next closest. Um, yeah, at nine, and then yeah. Miami is ten. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you've got the other two major conference undefeated. There's five total. You know, you take out UCF because they're not they're not going to get in the championship picture. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got one, two, and then nine and ten, and that blood of teams from three to eight with one loss each. Yeah. You know, Notre Dame's only loss was a one-point loss to Georgia. So that's, yeah. you know, that makes sense. Clemson hangs on for the number four spot right now, but they have a date with Miami looming. Um, uh, yeah, potentially ACC title game and yeah. NC State this week. I mean, that's a, that's a big one. If they lose, they're pretty much done for the ACC. I mean, uh, you know, NC State's got two losses, but none of them are conference losses, and Clemson's got one. They fall two behind plus the head-to-head. It's almost, you know, mathematically impossible for them to get into the ACC title game. Where do you come down on this one? The Oklahoma, Ohio State, Penn State. They're they're basically. Yeah. I, I think that the at least at this point the the ranking committee just went. Well, Oklahoma beat Ohio State. Who beat right. Penn State? So that's our order. And that's fair enough at this point. Um, you know, you might have to make a decision. In four weeks, you know, um, or five weeks, I guess. There's five more weeks of, of games, you know, with the conference title games. Um, you know, if, if for example, Ohio State wins out, so does Oklahoma. 
Um, Ohio State has been more impressive since that game, but Oklahoma beat them on their home field. And, and so if they're both conference champions, you know, you probably have to give the nod to Oklahoma. Otherwise, why play the games? Well, it's I mean, well, I, and this is from somebody who can't stand Oklahoma, but it's hard to argue against that. Well, the funny thing to me is, you know, in college basketball, we talk about bad losses, good losses. Right. Oklahoma's loss will be worse than Ohio State's loss if they both went out. But that's True. because Ohio However, State's loss was to Oklahoma. <laughs> was to Oklahoma. And, I mean, you know, I thought it at the time. Maybe the loss to Iowa State wasn't so bad. Iowa State has won four in a row. They, they beat TCU, who was undefeated and ranked in the top five. Um, you know, I mean, perhaps this Iowa State team is better than we thought. And therefore, you know, that changes the complexion of that loss, too. I mean, at the time, you thought, oh, my gosh, they lost to one of the worst teams in the Big 12. That doesn't appear to be the case now. Yeah, true. Very true. So it's it's hard. I mean, you know, the, the good part is we get five more weeks to play it out. We get to find out who emerges from the ACC, who emerges from the Big Ten. You know, Kendo went out against a, a tough November slate. Um, you know, there's, there's questions that we'll get asked to before we have to determine this. But for me, it was interesting just to see where right now, as somebody who's a Notre Dame fan, I wanted to see where they thought of Notre Dame in comparison to the other one-loss teams. And obviously, they think pretty highly of them because they ranked them as the top one-loss team. Yeah, and I, I think that Notre Dame comfortably can say if they went out, they're in. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I felt that way two weeks ago. You know, before they played SC, looking at the they, you know upcoming schedule, they had five ranked teams at the time. Now, Navy has fallen out. Um, but, you know, the last six opponents were ranked teams. Uh, and I thought, boy, if they win out, it's going to be hard, you know, say they don't make it. But now, you know, seeing what they've done the last two weeks and then seeing where they're ranked, I think that's, yeah, a pretty obvious thing. You know, all that said, if you've got, you know, Ohio State at 12-1, and Oklahoma 12-1, and Clemson 12-1, and and an SEC champ, you know, that's, it'll be interesting to see how that ultimately gets sorted out if all those things happen. I mean, if you're Notre Dame, I think you have to be rooting for Georgia to go undefeated because you know yeah. that Georgia, if Georgia's a one-loss champ, they're ahead right. of you because they beat you. It gets, well, yeah, I mean, it gets to that point, too. What if what if Alabama and Georgia meet at 12-0 and each and Alabama beats them, but it's a good game, you know, it's, it's a tight game, you know, it feels like maybe a, a toss-up, then it kind of gets to that same Ohio State-Oklahoma comparison. You know, do you, I mean, if Georgia's 12-1 and and Notre Dame is 11-1 and and Georgia went to Notre Dame and won, hard to not take Georgia over them. Uh, you know, so, again, hypotheticals at this point, lots of things still to be determined. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting because there's a few potential head-to-head results that might make it very hard to go the other way. I mean, I think you have to take Georgia because in that hypothetical, if their only loss is to Alabama in the title game, yeah. that means their loss is still better than Notre Dame's loss. Because I would agree. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, neutral field um, and, and to, you know, what would be the number one team in the country in that scenario. So, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's hard. Maybe you take, you know, you could. You could take Georgia and Notre Dame. But then if you do that, you've only got room for one other team. And that's so you're leaving out three conference champions. I mean, all I being th- said, I think it's fair to say the Pac-12 out. Not I think officially, the- not completely, but close. I mean, it would take mass upsets for the Pac-12 to have a chance. 
I mean, I think the Pac-12 is out, and I will say this. I'm not sure that any team in the ACC who's in the top 10, Clemson or Miami, can afford to lose another game. Cause I think, no, I agree. I think a one-loss Miami is out, and I think a two-loss Clemson is definitely out. I would agree. I would agree, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is a big week in the ACC. You've got, their, you know, they're not for sure, but what feel like basically division championship games, Clemson and NC State and Virginia Tech, Miami. And, you know, it's NC State and Miami who have a one-game lead right now, but if they lose, then they're tied, losing head-to-heads. If Vodtech or Clemson lose, they're basically done. Uh, maybe not mathematically, but close. Um, so, you know, you'll know a lot more about the ACC after this week, who might be in that title game, and then therefore what needs to happen for them to send a team to the playoff. I don't have any big objections to this go-round of the rankings. No, I don't either. I mean, I told you last year, I never really have big objections because this is this doesn't mean anything. Uh, I mean, there's five weeks left. Uh, last year, all the controversy was Texas A&M's number four. Like, uh, there's plenty of season to play out. And what happened? They lost a lot of games, and they weren't anywhere close at the end. Um, I don't either. I mean, I think this makes a lot of logical sense, um, which they're probably almost disappointed by because these rankings exist to get people talking and ultimately didn't really accomplish that. I don't, you know, having George over Alabama, who cares? They're going to play. If they keep winning, they're going to play. And, and, you know, presumably – Let's say they weren't going to play. Who cares about the difference between one and two? You're hitting in. I mean, that really doesn't matter. And you're not having to play each other. Right, exactly. Yeah. So um, that would be the interesting thing to me, I guess, is let's say that Georgia-Alabama scenario happens. Don't you think they probably fix it to not have a rematch in the semifinal? You don't really want to have that game twice in a row. Yes. I think that they would make Georgia the three. I, I agree. I mean, they would never say that. They would never say they did it on purpose, but I think so too. Or, or the opposite. Let's say Alabama loses. I think they'd make them the three. The possibility of a rematch in the championship game, but they wouldn't set it for the semifinal. Do you think it, they would ever consider making them one and two again after they play each other? Like if Possibly, the game went into overtime. If the game went into overtime. Yeah. And one team went for two and made or missed it. Would that be? Right. I mean. That, to me, would let you do that and still leave them one-two. You could. You could. And, 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 I mean, as I say that, what's really the difference between two and three? Not much. Um, the one is going to play in the Sugar – you know, let's say they were one and two at the end. Well, the one's going to go to the Sugar Bowl, so you get the closer to home. The two and the three are going to play in the Rose Bowl, so being two over three makes very little difference. True. Yeah, they'd probably just make them three. Uh, yeah, I mean – we, we get, you know, I think people can't quite adjust their mindsets to that. You know, we see the number. Every year it's been this way. Oh, why is that team two and that team three? Who cares? They're playing each other. Uh, you know, I mean, there's no home field. It'd be different if you had a home field. But there isn't, so it really does not matter. Although, you get to pick your jersey, and that matters. Well, yeah, I guess. I guess that's <laughs> I mean, it's something. Uh, you know, but I remember that last year with, uh, you know, Clemson and Ohio State down here, and they made Clemson two. Well, why is it moving up to two? Who cares? It doesn't. They were going to play each other anyway. Yeah. Um, here would be a good spot for a, a pivot. So the pivot I'm going to make is, uh, for those of you who didn't catch it, Pat did come on, do his emergency Cleveland podcast. And uh, we talked about, we joked about it during that, if the Browns won, we would have to do a podcast immediately. And never thinking for a second that they might actually be competitive in that London game. 
and then it was competitive well, for most I, of the game. <laughs> yeah, for most of it. And then they ended up losing by 17. Yeah. But for most of the game, it was close to the point where, like, <laughs> it was. I, Pat sent me a text afterwards. He's like, wow, we almost jinxed ourselves and had to do it again. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was closer than I guess maybe you would have thought. But, um, yeah, and, of course, then they've been in the news this week for their uh, trade deadline bungling, apparently. Yeah, that. so let's talk about the trade deadline. Let's start with that. Um, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, the Cleveland Browns did – a very Cleveland Browns thing. Apparently, they and the Bengals agreed to a trade for A.J. McCarron, the backup to Andy Dalton, going to the Browns. Yeah. And Cincinnati called in at five minutes before the trade deadline to the league office and said, this is the trade. And then uh, the trade deadline passed. And three minutes after the trade deadline passed, Cleveland called in and said, yep, we agree to that trade. And the league office denied the trade. Cleveland asked for an exception for being late, but didn't have a good reason right. for it. So the league office denied the request for the exception, and Cleveland right. doesn't get A.J. McCarron. Right, uh, right. Now, I will say, you know, apparently the terms of the deal were a second and a third round pick. I was going to say, is it, a blessing in dis- is it a blessing in disguise for Cleveland that it didn't happen? I don't know. It sure seems like it might be. I mean, that's, that's a heavy price to pay for a guy who has, what, three or four career starts? We don't really know if he's any good. But he played in the SEC, so he's got to be good. He did. Well, yeah, he played for Alabama, which is great for college. But, you know, the last Alabama quarterback that was really good. Joe Namath? What, Joe Namath or Ken Stabler <laughs> at the same time, basically. Um, well, it's been a while. I mean, Richard Todd was a decent player uh, for a you know period of time. And until A.J. McCarron game late, you know, what was it, two years ago, Richard Todd was the last Alabama quarterback to win a game in the NFL, I believe. So... It had been a long time since Alabama pursued a good NFL quarterback. That being said, uh, there were some trades that actually did go through. Um, yes. But I, I would say the most important one was Jay Ajayi uh, to the Eagles. Yes. And the rationale, if the Dolphins aren't tanking, is, to me, frustrating. Their, their argument was Ajayi's injuries from 2011 – had yeah. long-term implications that concerned them about his knee, and they wanted to strike while his value was high. Yeah, and it, it also seems like it was a bit of a, a message sent, you know, gaze him out after Thursday night debacle and rip the team. And, uh, you know, I know Mortensen was, uh, you know, active on Twitter saying, you know, whenever a coach does that, you know, you watch out for a message to get sent. And perhaps that was it. Um, you know, nobody's... Nobody's safe. That type of message gets sent. Like, you know, we'll, we'll get rid of you if you don't fall in line. Um, but it's a good pickup for Philly. I mean, uh, you know, they've run the ball well already. Um, LeGarrette Blunt's been a really nice pickup for them, but he's not really an every-down guy. Um, now you have him and, and you know, Ajayi and Corey Clement, who's been good as a rookie uh, from your neck of the woods up there. You know, so they've, mm-hmm. they've got a nice stay back um, to help out Carson Wentz, who's you know, maybe the halfway point MVP right now. It's it's impressive how good the Eagles are. I obviously didn't pick it. You were much higher on the Eagles than I was going into the season. Um, what? Well, was I, though? Okay, I think you're not giving yourself enough credit. I like the Eagles as a fan, but I think if you go back and listen, and I've been thinking about this, feels like you were higher on the Eagles preseason when we did our NFL picks. I guess you talk them up more because I, I, for me, where I, I hang I my head. I was going to see them. Yeah. So I think that's why. 
Because I hang my head in shame about my my Giants take. My Giants take is my yeah. worst take of the season. That's worse we than... We both picked the Giants to win the East. So yeah. we both we both have to eat that one. But That's I'm worse than Montez for Heisman. You were... Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it might be, yes. yes. Um, you know, but I, I think you were more on the, hey, the Eagles could be a borderline playoff team. And I basically was more like, yeah, I think they're okay. But I think Dallas gets the wild card. And, you know, they're, they're maybe a year or two away with Wentz and... I don't know. Go back and listen to it. But give yourself credit. I think you deserve it because I think you deserve it. Well, I can tell you because I wrote it down. I wrote down my picks. Okay. I had the Eagles making the playoffs as a wild card team. But, I, but I, okay. I'm but looking at – here's my notes. I wrote, love the acquisition of Brandon Marshall, even with fear of Manning getting old. Yeah. Uh, and then for Philadelphia, yeah. my only point was adding Alshon Jeffrey is good. Um, yeah, well, it has been. <laughs> It certainly has been. I mean, they've given Wentz some good receivers to throw the ball to, and he's got, you know, Zach Ertz is probably one of the better tight ends in the league. I mean, they they have, um, uh, you know, been much better than I thought. You know, I really didn't think they'd be this good. Um, You know, I'm hopeful they can keep it up. I always kind of liked the Eagles since McNabb, and, you know, it'd be fun to see if they can keep it up. But that's a good pickup for him. I agree. Um, The other trade that I think we should definitely discuss – is the Jimmy Garoppolo to San Francisco trade, and, and I and then Hoyer signing a three year deal to back up Brady right. until he's forty five or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is? I don't know how to feel. I don't understand the Niners making the move. Quite honestly, unless their goal is yeah. they think that they can spend the next half a season convincing Garoppolo this is where you want to be. But then, yeah. you know, on the flip side, you see the story on ESPN after I texted you that this really Fs over Kirk Cousins. Right. Uh, that, nope, this doesn't impact Kirk Cousins at all. They might still go after yeah. Kirk Cousins. Yeah. And that story made a point, uh, you know, and I had the same reaction when I first saw it. I'm like, well, I guess so much for Cousins going there. But the point they made, or at least the story I read, was there's going to be teams who need a quarterback. Kirk Cousins will have a market because he's proven to be a, you know, upper half of the league quarterback. And he'll have teams interested. You know, there might be teams we didn't initially expect. You know, Denver uh, struggling at quarterback. Uh, the New York Giants, if Eli Manning, you know, decides to move on or hang it up. The Steelers, if Roethlisberger, does, you know, we're getting to the end on some of these guys. So some of these franchises that we've just sort of taken for granted, oh, they don't need a quarterback. Well, they might now. So he'll have places to go, even if San Francisco is not the place. Yeah, true. Um but I think it's weird because the Giants aren't going to – I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to win games, and they already said, and I think rightly so, that he shouldn't, yeah. he's not starting right away because he doesn't know right. the system. Um, sure. Apparently he's basically said he won't play before after the bye, which means there's two games. I mean, they play this week and next before their bye. Um, that, I mean, again, he's the backup. So if C.J. Beathard gets hurt, he's going to be in the game because they don't have a third quarterback on the active roster. So. Yeah. They can say that, but if Bethard gets hurt in the first quarter, he's going to be in there. Um, yeah. But it is smart to, you know, take your time. You don't need to rush it out there. You know, it's a it's a trade made not for this year, obviously. They're 0-8. He could come in and set the world on fire, and the best they're probably going to finish is, you know, 5-11. and um, That's unlikely. So, you know, you're, you're making the trade the future. You're using your second-round pick on Jimmy Garoppolo and, and banking that he's the guy. Um, in lieu of probably taking somebody high first round or going after Kirk Cousins, I guess. Yeah, I just, I'm 
you know, look, John Lynch has shown already an interest in taking risks and making yeah. big moves, and this is in line with it that. It was a surprise. It was a very much a surprise for both sides. You know, I figured San Francisco would, would probably just play it out to the offseason and then, you know, see what options came their way. I was surprised England made the move, um, but obviously they feel confident enough that Hoyer could play if they, you know, had an emergency situation, if Brady got hurt. Um, yeah, it just stunned me when I read it, and, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But you're right, I mean, Garoppolo's a free agent, so they have to, they made this trade. They also have to re-sign him for this trade to even be anywhere close to worth it. Yeah, I mean, it's more like they bought the right to audition as a destination yeah, for Garoppolo. Yep. Yep, they get a they get a nine week window to see practice, you know, get him in games, get him in the meeting rooms, all that, and and then you know make him the guy, you know. But not to wonder, I mean, obviously they can franchise him, but that's a lot of money to spend on a quarterback. So you you know they'd probably prefer to get a deal done. That's easier said than done sometimes. So it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where this goes if he gets to free agency in March. Yeah. Um, and I guess the other trade was, um, the, I'm blanking on the guy who went to the bills, Kelvin, yeah, Benjamin. Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah. 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 Which was a, a good pickup for them. I mean, they needed help at receiver. You know, I think another good one, it doesn't make headlines cause it's an offensive lineman, but Dwayne Brown to the Seahawks, I feel like is a pretty big pickup for them. I mean, they, their that's been their terrible. weakness. Terrible. It's been bad. And, and one guy doesn't make it a great line, but it certainly helps. Um, you know, keep, keep Russell Wilson upright and, and, you know, what they've done lately has been pretty impressive. I mean, that game last Sunday, we talked about it was to me, it was one of the best games of the year. Um, uh, Wilson's really good. And if you just give him a chance, he's really, really good. And having a good left tackle gives him more of a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of quarterbacks who are really, really good. Brock Osweiler <laughs> is starting in yeah. the NFL again. It's it's and time. It's Brock Osweiler time. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, everything old is new again. Just like two years ago, mid-season, stepping in for the Broncos, going to save the season. I mean, that Last year they, they went this, to the Super, the Super Bowl. <laughs> they didn't just go. They won the Super Bowl. So <laughs> I would expect the exact same thing to happen. Brock will get them to the Super Bowl, although Simeon will win it if the same script patterns. But uh, – yeah, yeah, good stuff for Brock. Uh, on, on a serious note, I am, I'm happy to see him get another opportunity. I don't know how well it's going to go. Uh, I think you'll remember this. Very few would, but reminds me a little bit of his first career start in college. You know, Brock, congratulations! You're going to start. Go on the road and play a really good team, and he gets to go on the road and play the team with the best record in the NFL. Yeah. And he got to go on the road and play a team with the best record in the Pac-10 at the time. So yes, he did. And so. it did not end well. He didn't even make it to the end of that game. He got hurt, I believe, in the second quarter. And, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a struggle. Uh, he ended up having better moments, obviously, at ASU, but that was not his best. So uh, it's it's a tough one. I mean, their offense just didn't very good. I don't think Brock is the cure-all for, for their ills. But I'm glad to see him get a chance, you know, and it's uh, after – thinking he may be out of the league we got cut by the Browns. You know, hey, he's still kicking, still making some money and and getting a chance to start, so not so bad. I mean, it would really stick it to the Browns if he came out and won this game and looked great for the rest of the season, wouldn't it? I mean... It would. It would. Yeah, it would. yeah I mean, that was, of course, when I read the McCarran news, 
you know, with all the, the talk this year about, you know, they traded away picks that ended up being Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. You know, my first reaction was, well, this pretty much guarantees wherever A.J. McCarron goes next year is going to be great. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Brock Osweiler would be the same type of thing. If he has a great year and gets the Broncos to the playoffs, they're like, well, you had this guy. You let him go for nothing. But you're paying him to play for the Broncos. Yeah. That's that's what makes it beautiful is they somehow got yeah. on the hook. Yeah. They managed to get on the hook for yep. his salary and then trade right. and then release him. Right. So to, to play for the Broncos for the league minimum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So not a bad deal. I mean, uh, John Elway hasn't hasn't hit on every quarterback decision he's made. Uh, and in fact, you could probably start to question John Elway's quarterback evaluation acumen after getting Peyton Manning. That was a pretty good one, obviously. But since then, it hasn't been so good. Um, but, yeah, he certainly won the game of business on that one because he was about to pay Brock, you know, $16 million before Houston gave him 18 Now he's got Brock back for about, you know, 5% of that. Yeah. It's uh, – look, he might not draft quarterbacks well, but he's great at – Finding guys for very cheap and yes, hoping yeah. that they'll fit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the interesting thing is, is, you know, Paxton Lynch, who's supposed to be the guy and you think will eventually get a chance, you know, if this year, you know, if Brock doesn't play really well. I know he's been injured, but, you know, that was the one he made the move for, and that hasn't worked out great. And that's why they're playing Simeon and now playing Brock is because Paxton Lynch hasn't been the player they expected so far. Yeah. And it turns out maybe what was going on at Memphis wasn't just Paxton Lynch because uh, Mike Norvell's got that team ranked again. He does. <laughs> he does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's not not bad, but he hadn't, you know, he wasn't very good last year. And, and you know, this year he lost the job before he got injured. And uh, yeah, I mean, you, you have to kind of start to want, I mean, obviously the signing of Peyton Manning was huge and it, you know, they got to two Super Bowls and won one and, and you can say that was a no-brainer, but it wasn't. I mean, Manning was injured, and you didn't really know what you were getting out of him, and it worked out great. But, yeah, his, his evaluation since then hasn't been great. You could describe it as lacking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, it's only been two years, but you got this really good defense, and they're not getting the support from the offense that they probably would need to be a you know championship kind of team. I mean, this is the same conversation in reverse that Packers fans have about Aaron Rodgers is what Broncos fans right. are having now. It's like, boy, it would really be a shame with this defense if we don't make a lot of noise in the playoffs for right. a number of years, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to have both sides. And of course, you know, as somebody who admittedly is a huge Peyton Manning fan, uh, the biggest probably, you know, I find it kind of funny because everybody, oh, well, they, you know, well, they just won with defense. Quarterback didn't matter. Matters then. I know Peyton Manning didn't have a very good year, statistically, but they had somebody they could trust to get the offense in the right spots to execute, and now they don't have that, and you're seeing that it, it makes a difference. Well, and just not turn the ball over. Even, you exactly. Know, the, like, we, we mock the Alex Smiths of the world as being right. game managers, but there are guys who can't do that. Right. Um, no, agreed. <laughs> agreed. Yeah, and that's what Manning did so well in that playoff run. He just steady hand. He turned into Alex Smith. I mean, for all the, you know, great achievements of his career, he came in and he just, you know, played safe, no mistakes, uh, not a lot of big plays, but came through with the third down conversion here or there, a touchdown pass here or there, and it was good enough. And, I mean, yeah, that's, it's not as easy as it looks, basically. 
he also came up with the the fake sack completion, which no one had ever seen before. He did. Where he you did. just the, fall the down. Slide down against Pittsburgh. That's right. That's right. I remember it well. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know, that that uh, again, I realize I'm a I'm a Manning, you know, worshiper, and anybody could make fun of me if they wanted to. But the fact is, his role was important. And you couldn't just plug and play any quarterback. That's been proven in a half since. Yeah, very true. Well, the uh, Colorado game is at a reasonable hour, and I'll be on the West Coast, so I'll at least get to follow yes. it live. Um, and we're yes. going to try to— I should give a score. I never gave a score. Oh. Um, I should do that for tradition's sake. So I'll go, uh, I'll go 27 to 20. Same margin, but a little lower scoring. I like it. I love where your head's at, and I, I'm glad that we were able to make sure that got fit into yes. this podcast. Yes, um, yes. I realized that after we changed subjects that I never actually put a score on record. So we will uh, do the recap. We're going to try to shoot for Sunday again for the recap, but given my luxurious travel schedule, uh, <laughs> we, we can't be sure what my Wi-Fi connections will be at my sister's house in the guest bedroom. Yes. So, uh, But we will get... <laughs> We will get the recap up at some point, and then we'll try to hit our regular schedule moving forward. Uh, you know, keep the uh, letters and phone calls coming. We, we certainly appreciate it. And uh, yes. until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben Matt Sportscast.